My name is Mike, 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 Dark, 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 Dark. And I am Richard Wag, Wag, Wagner. We're back. All right, here we go. Another edition of Radio Waves. And this week we've taken the two themes that we've gotten from listener submissions. And we've got the uh, the opening of one matched with the bed of another. Uh, we still would like some other submissions, right, Richard? Yeah, yeah. And, and what we'll do is we'll just keep mixing them together. Yeah, until we have some big conglomerate and we don't even have to do the show anymore. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, this is Radio Waves, and joining us today is uh, Dave Beezing for his monthly hey. visit. Nice to have you with us. It's nice to be had. And I want to stop here real quickly and and tell people that they should visit uh, Dave's uh, Facebook page, his company Facebook page, Sound That Brands. And, you know, you may not be doing a podcast or anything, but there's a lot of great information on there. If you are doing a podcast, he puts a lot of articles up there that will guide you to do a better podcast. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I was I was I was at your Facebook page today and and looking at all the stuff that's on it. And there's a lot of great information on there for, oh. especially for yeah. podcasters, but anybody would find some of it of interest. Apparently well, we you. don't follow any of it. No, we, of course not. Of course <laughs> thank not. you, Mike. I appreciate that. And, and, uh, coming soon, um, I'd say we're a week, maybe two weeks at most, probably a week away from relaunching our sound that brands.com website. Uh, the company website, we've worked really hard on it and uh, hired some people to do a really good job of making it look really slick and modern. So I can't wait to let that rip. So, cool. Yeah. Cool. What, ab- what about the cookies? How do you how do you buy cookies? Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, I should have had that link ready to But if you will, I am me on Facebook. I will make sure you get Girl Scout cookies for sure. There you go. Yeah. As there long you as you pay the $12 shipping charge. Yeah. Just for the record, Dave is not a Girl Scout. He's a- no, no I, have, I am not. But I do have a ten-year-old who is. Yes. And I have to. I told Dave before we even went on the air here that it takes approximately thirty seconds after he posts it on Facebook for me to order the maximum amount of cookies I possibly can. So when I gain a hundred pounds in the next month. I'm blaming you, Dave. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. This week, your column, Richard, is on the ratings, and it, yes, it couldn't be a better time ratings. to have Dave with us because he can he can sort of add a little to it. But uh, give us the overview, Richard, and Dave will jump in with some other stuff. Well, Coast uh, just killed everyone. That's pretty much it. That's it. That's the end of the, end of the story. <laughs> That's the news. <laughs> Coast was top. They had thirteen point four share. And um, Dave, I'm, am I, I'm right in the description, right? It's uh, it's basically an estimate of the percentage of listeners age six and over tuned in at any particular time to that station, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. on an average quarter hour basis. So that is more or less, supposedly, what share of radio listeners are listening to that station at any given point in time. Yeah, it's not people, it's actually listeners. And then uh, second place was K-Earth, which had only a 4-4. So Coast is, you know, 
little more than it's somewhere between two and a half, three times, basically. And that's about the same as last year. Last year, Coast had a 13.9, I think, and K-Earth was a 5. So it's about the same uh, difference. Um, But it just shows people like Christmas music. It's funny, though, that they don't like it as much when it's played on Go Country. Because Go Country, they had a little bit of a jump compared to last year. Because last year they had a 1.5, and this time it was uh, somewhere around a 2. But um, it's just not a big draw like it is to Coast. And I think a lot of that has to do what, uh, with what Jerry Daryl Caliano said, that you know the station that starts it has a big, big uh, image that they, they keep, and it's hard for others to compete. So that's why you have to kind of attack it differently. Makes sense. Um, other than that, really, there wasn't though there wasn't a lot of surprise. Um, the things that have happened before are still happening. You have uh, the originator of the what's become the alternative format in town is now way down in a one five share, while uh, alt is uh, is up at um, at two two, which still is to me lower. I think that alternative is having a problem. Um, you have the wave doing, I think, better now than it was doing before, but they've been doing that for a while. So really, not a lot of surprises this time. And it is the holiday book. I mean, Coast certainly has bragging rights and they deserve it. But other stations will be quick to point out to advertisers that the data you're now seeing is already completely outdated because the Christmas music is over. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So it actually is almost more of a sale for next year, right? Yes, that's true. It'll help Coast maybe in their sponsorships for Christmas music next year. And it does have some afterlife Uh, in most markets, most Christmas music stations. And I think uh, historically that's certainly been the case with Coast as well. When you get into the January book, uh, it's it's better than the average book, and the mm. February book is a step down as well, but still better than the average book. There's some holdover. You get a lot of yeah. new cum, new audience uh, during the holidays on a Christmas music station, and some of those people do not go away, or uh, they certainly stick around for a while. And the reason is, supposedly, is that people don't change the dial after Christmas, right? Is that, it, I mean, that's, there's probably more to it than that, but that's the basic philosophy behind why the ratings spill over into January, right? Right, right. And why it was so important um, to have the Rams on Sunday so that you could hold that audience to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding on that one. Yeah, well, that, that of course, is uh, alluding to when Dave had the sound and he was program yeah. director and they were given the Rams. Now, the Rams didn't have the uh, team that they have this year That's at the true. time. But so. they're always on TV still, so it's it's hard to do it on radio especially with those long shows that they were making you carry too richard as you pointed yes the pregame and postgame it was uh the whole package was five hours out of a sunday uh jack is carrying those games now during regular season uh and they do not carry the full pregame and postgame they somehow got out of out of that Mm. but yeah it's um you've pointed out richard when that happened years ago that when the Rams came back to town and the FM station was the sound, you pointed out 
um, to me privately, and I think in your column as well, that sports in L.A. radio, it's not like a St. Louis. It's it's not like a Cleveland yeah. uh, where you really see those stations do extremely well, whether it's Cardinals baseball in the summer on KMOX or whether it's uh, uh, football games in Kansas City, uh, the Chiefs games on a classic rock station in Kansas City has been for years. Uh, you really see the boost in those markets. But L.A. is uh, L.A. is L.A. It's a it's a busy, jaded place. Mm. And the the community doesn't tend to unite around these things the way a smaller city can, probably does. Now, can can I ask a question on that? Do they in the other markets where they do better on radio? Are games not as available on TV or why would people listen on radio rather than watching it on TV? I think that it's it's simply a matter of mobility, being able to listen conveniently when you – and those pre- and post-game shows probably really matter to some degree. Oh, that's there. true. That part is you know, that wouldn't be on you got to go get your yeah. beer on your way to somebody's house uh, to watch the game, you know. Right. So, yeah, in those markets, it's just so much a part of life. The, the, the Super Bowl, of course uh, – always draws a lot of people for Super Bowl parties, even in L.A., regardless of who's playing. But let's take the championship game last weekend as an example. I would say that the amount of parties and get-togethers to watch the Rams last Sunday in L.A. was comparable, maybe even less, than the kind of parties that happen every week in those other cities to watch Mm. their team play. You know, yeah, okay. it's just that those communities really do unite around something. Of course, in L.A., the the um, uh, it is a huge market. Therefore, there may be more ears and eyeballs consuming those games than there would be in St. Louis. It's just that as a percentage of the total population, right. it's smaller. Right. Too many yeah. distractions in this big city. Yeah. So I have, yes. I have another uh, ratings question for you. If Coast's ratings or other stations' ratings tend to hold on after the holiday music season. Yeah, some of it because, does. Mm-hmm. Because people are too lazy to change the station. That is at odds with the idea that if you play music that's unfamiliar, people are immediately going to tune out. If the idea is if these things are a tune out and people are willing to punch as soon as a commercial comes on, as soon as an unfamiliar song comes on, whatever – why would there be any ratings holdover from Christmas? Well, uh, because there is audience that in, endured whatever commercials the Christmas music station had, but other stations have commercials as well. And then those people, uh, some of them are still listening to that station. They might have discovered that station because of the Christmas music. We think of a station like Coast having been around since the, what, 80s in that format? Um, and think, well, everybody's listening to that station that's ever going to listen to that station. Just not the case. This is a a city with a a largely transient population or maybe people who've lived there all their life that haven't discovered Coast or had a different impression of Coast than the current reality, and the Christmas music got them to try the station, and then they heard some music they liked after the Christmas music was over. As far as familiarity, the Christmas music is mostly familiar. You don't hear yeah. very many unfamiliar Christmas songs. In no, fact, I, was, I was just thinking more along yeah. the lines of the of the hold on. So kind of, though, that means that it has to be similar enough. You you couldn't increase K-Rock's ratings for January by running Christmas music 
in November and December, right? I, I think that there's one big Christmas music station per market. Sometimes there's one and a half, but there's usually yeah. there's usually one. The the familiarity factor uh, on the Christmas music, by the way, um, the memo went out this year in a big time way. I mean that figuratively speaking. That what people want from Christmas music is the old school classic stuff. Yeah. It's Nat King Cole, it's Burl Ives, it's mm. Andy Williams, it's Perry Como, yeah. and it's it's. Uh, I was listening to Coast uh, during their Christmas music period, and uh, I'd say in a twenty minute period when I would drive around, the newest song might be a Hall and Oates cover of Jingle Bell Rock that came mm. out in in the late eighties or something. It was almost entirely music that was. Uh, released before most 25 to 54s were even born. That's interesting. That brings up a question. Do they test Christmas music like yes. they test the other music? Yes. It's, it, it isn't common in most markets because it is just a month or so out of the year. But in the major markets, there are some Christmas music tests done, especially, I will say, by iHeart because iHeart owns – uh, the top Christmas music station in L.A., Chicago, mm. and New York, wow. So, among other places. So, so it's, it's worth it to them. Yeah. yeah, it's worth it to them to dominate in a big way. How does, how does the audience testing work for Christmas music? They play a sample of the song, and if the people don't stab themselves, <laughs> they play it? <laughs> yes, if, if, they, if the people run to the store and buy something, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, let's move on to K-Rock, the rumors of K-Rock going to active rock. Richard, what, what's up with that? Uh, it, it's a rumor that's been kind of spreading for a while. I, I might have even started it, but uh, <laughs> it seems like, you know, the alternative format is somewhat limiting, and K-Rock is is not doing well with what they're doing currently. So if they went to Active Rock, you'd still have the alternative base, but they could open it up a little bit more. I was wondering if Dave actually had any opinion on that. I happen to have an opinion on that. I I, I don't think there's the least bit of truth to that rumor. Active Rock is not a healthy format. It suffers from the same issues, especially where new music is concerned. There are a few big active rock stations around the country, uh, like a KISW in Seattle or a WRIF in Detroit. But these stations are heavily personality-oriented, mm. and K-Rock does not have a steady, big, stable, powerful stable yeah. of personalities right now. Mm, that's a good uh, point. Yes, these shows, these stations have big shows, not only in the morning, but in afternoon drive as well. They'll have a crew of two, three, four people in afternoon drive who are basically doing a morning show in afternoons. K-Rock is not staffed for that. They've not shown a tendency since their acquisition by Odyssey towards spending a lot of money on talent. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they would ever go that direction. The other reason is... L.A. has historically had its moments with the KNACs, uh, Mike, uh, that you were involved in, right. or, or other stations. There are those moments when L.A. has had some harder rock, but for the most part, through the years, L.A. has been a very kind of pop-leaning rock market uh, musically. 
some say it's due to the Hispanic composition of the market and a tendency in uh, Latin music for there to be a lot of rhythm. But it's no accident that alternative music had such a big lift and start at K-Rock back in the day in L.A. because it was the Depeche Mode uh, type, New Order type years when alternative rock was very different from normal rock because a lot of it was kind of dancey and poppy. And L.A. historically has embraced that much more than hard rock. In terms of the KNAC thing, KNAC, part of the reason KNAC happened was there was a there was an undercurrent of new metal rock music in, in Southern California that sort of helped cause that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think Dave will agree, rock music in general right now is really on a downturn in yes. general, right? Yes, and, and really all current music. There was a big article about a week ago in The Atlantic, and consultant uh, Fred Jacobs, my old employer, uh, wrote a follow-up blog about it that was extremely well-read within the industry, talking about new music being in a very down part of its cycle. Larry Mm -hmm. Rosen from Edison Research also wrote an article for one of the trades where he pointed out that alternative and CHR top 40 stations and uh, urban top 40 stations are all at their lowest ratings point uh, in years if you add up the shares for those formats uh, in over 10 years, I believe uh, he said. And he's seeing it, it clearly in his research uh, too. So not a good time for, for new music. And one of the reasons I think is I mean, we can we can blame the the labels and the artists and those people and so forth, but you know there is music out there. It's new music out there that's good, but they're now competing for attention as they try mm-hmm. to market new music. They're competing with every song that's ever been recorded, because yep. with the internet and Spotify and all of these choices. The young people who uh, have traditionally those demographics been more interested in new music are now being exposed to thousands and thousands of titles. And to try to market to them the latest song, I mean, even the concept of a single off of an album Mm. uh, is foreign to them. It's like, oh, there's new music out from Kanye or Ye or whatever his name is uh, this week. Um, They're... Why would you only listen to one song off of a new release from one of your favorite artists? Well, that's a record company agenda. That's that's not the way people listen to music these days. And don't you think record companies get a little lazy in that respect when they can take their existing catalog and recycle it into into what you're talking about rather than throw money at artists that may or may not make it? Yeah, very true. They're they're not promoting the new artists the way they used to. They're also making their money now from streaming. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their efforts are going into influencing streaming listening. Mm-hmm. The radio staffs, the radio promotional staffs at labels have been cut a lot in the last mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years. It's like radio it where there's a lot fewer people calling radio stations trying to get airplay. Right. So how long do you and think it'll be before the last song is made? <laughs> <laughs> it's being made right now in a yeah. garage in Venice. Exactly. Yes. 
Exactly. All right. Let's talk uh, quickly about some personnel changes at uh, Alt. Yeah. Um, remember Stryker? Yeah. He's going to Alt. And it's going to be uh, Booker. Actually, he's already there, I think. Booker and Stryker for afternoons. Dave's actually the one that sent me that uh, that tip. That's probably a, a really smart move on Alt's part. Uh, Stryker was a mainstay in afternoons on K-Rock for many, many years before Absolutely. they moved him to mornings after Kevin and Bean and then Kevin and Company or whatever it was. And and uh, he with Booker, depending on how they gel and, and lots of unknowns still, but that right. seems like a smart a smart move. I, I also so. enjoy listening still to uh, Kevin and Sluggo on yeah. KLOS in afternoons. Radio has to move in a more personality direction. We just got a a new car, and I gotta tell you, it's there's for music. There's not a lot of reason to tune in a radio right. uh, <laughs> because you've got Spotify and all these other sources coming at you. And Spotify makes playlists for you now. Here's your daily mix. They make yep. three daily mixes based on the, your tastes and so forth. And and uh, since we got the new car, I'm listening to a lot less radio unless I want to hear Woody or I want to hear Kevin and Sluggo or Booker and uh, Stryker. Yeah. And, and that's the way it's always been when you think yeah. about it. It's always right. been, as Mike always says, it's what's between the records. And I don't know yeah. why programmers lose i don't know if the programmers lose sight i actually think a lot of it is just driven by budgets you know unless you have people that are willing to work for free um this is going to happen for a while yeah one other thing before we go we need to we need to uh take our hats off to uh a guy that played a radio disc jockey on the air but he also was part of the original FM underground radio formats in San Francisco, and yeah. we're talking about Howard Hessman, who played uh, Dr. Johnny Fever on uh, WKRP. He started out with Tom Donahue and the and the folks up at KMPX years ago doing uh, radio, and uh, we lost him this past week. Was, was he Johnny Caravella back then, before he became a... <laughs> <laughs> He really epitomized the FM rock DJ, didn't he? I mean, he there was so much truth to his exaggeration of that character. Uh, it was really, really an entertaining uh, character. Uh, yes. a, a shout out to Steve Ocean, O-S-H-I-N, former Los Angeles area general manager of radio, uh, now living in the Seattle area. He managed radio in Seattle also. Uh, Steve uh, I once asked him what the, was his first station. He said, well, the first station I worked for was WKRP. And I said, really? Yeah, he was an intern uh, as a kid on the set of WKRP. Oh, that's hilarious. Wow. He found himself running errands for uh, Howard Hessman and other people. And some of those errands we won't talk about specifically what he was helping be delivered. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, that's great. Uh, that's that a great story. <laughs> that's how he got into radio. That's amazing. That's a great story. All right. Anything else, Richard? Uh, nothing that I have unless Dave had something to add. No, not at all. And my battery is almost done. So if I don't say right. goodbye, it's implied. <laughs> okay. Good. Thanks for joining us on uh, another edition of Radio Waves. Radio Waves.